Hi there, I'm Pastor Billy. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church Podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. This morning, we're going to begin where we've begun many times in recent weeks in the book of Acts. Specifically, in Acts chapter 2, you'll see the same exact passage we started with last week, uh, what I believe is one of the greatest examples of biblical community that we see, starting with verse 42. I want you to hear what it is that's happening in the life of the early church and some of the fruit that's being produced uh, as men and women (laughs) Uh, walk obediently with the Lord. Uh, It begins this, Acts 2 verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We talked about that word last week, if you were here, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This idea of fellowship is rich community. It's belonging to one another. It's ownership and it's it's way more than a potluck supper. And man, I like those. But what we're talking about here is, is biblical, rich community, fellowship. Let's keep reading verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. You might be saying, what does that mean? They had everything in common. They all had brown hair, blue eyes. No, 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 not that. Uh, But it's a beautiful representation of what's happening in community. Keep reading it and look at what it says, what they had in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Well, they had that in common. They, verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's, they had that in common. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They had that in common. And then verse 47, they praised God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is one of the most powerful examples that we see in Scripture of community. And yet within it, I think we see a a pretty clear biblical guideline, a biblical rule of community. If we were writing the rules of community according to God's word, I think here in Acts chapter 2, we see a powerful, a profound uh, first biblical rule of community. And it's this, that community is not about you. It's not about you. Now, now it's about you being a part of community, but if you're serious about pursuing not community where it's just like, hey, how are you? I'm good. No, no, but but true biblical community, as we're going to talk about today, if you're serious about pursuing that kind of, uh, of relationship that God calls us to, then the first rule that we see in scripture is it's not about you. If that startles you a little bit, if that's a little hard to swallow, just consider for a minute the gospel that we proclaim. This gospel that we proclaim, Jesus says that love is the act of laying one's life down for others. That we're instructed in this gospel, we're instructed that uh, because of the model of Jesus, that we're to regard others first. We're to think of others' needs first. And in fact, in 1 John chapter 3, we're told that because Jesus laid down his life for us, we should lay down our lives for others. So this is a gospel. This is a gospel that preaches, hey, by the way, it's not always about you. 
And we see that clearly in, in this call to community. That the model that we see in Acts, the model of people completely committed to one another to the point of self-sacrifice. That's community. That's the beautiful thing that we're seeing in Acts chapter 2. It's people so committed to one another that they're not so worried about me. We're in the midst of a a three-part series on community, and and we're not really talking about this because I want to talk about it, because if I I shared this a little bit last week, I've got four kids, and uh, life is full of noise and busyness, and quite honestly, in these seasons, I'm enjoying my alone time more than I ever have, okay? And school is getting ready to start, can I hear an amen, right? So I, I get it, right? I get it. And I live there, and I understand that. So I'm not preaching you today because I just, I love people. I need more people. I, that's not it. In fact, as your pastor, we're talking about this because I believe that this is something we have to talk about. We have to because it's clear that this is a priority of Scripture, so it has to be a priority for us. And as we talked about last week, that you and I live in a world today that has never been more connected than ever before, yet never been more isolated. That we live in a world today where half of Americans say that they feel alone. So how is it? How is it that connection has never been easier, but yet we feel more alone? That's why a message, a series calling us back to community is so critical. That this is, this is not a burden that we bear. Oh, community. Oh, I know it feels like that sometimes, but really community is a gift from God that you've been given. Last week, uh, if you were here, we began uh, this series and we were reminded that the call to community is a call to gather. And, and in that gathering, a lot of things happen. It, literally, just by showing up in community that we're sustained and, and we're moved and we're encouraged because of community, that it has a profound impact in your life. And there are some of you here today that you need community, because you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You are in a, in a painful season of your life, and you're not meant to do it alone, and you're called biblically to gather in community. But we're also called not just to gather, but called to give. The biblical call to community is also a call to give, and that's what we're going to sink our teeth into this morning. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And this series we've entitled All Together New. And, and that implies something. It implies that God wants to do something new in your life through community. I don't know who you are in the room, and, and I, I don't know where everybody is, and some of you, you've been a part of the church forever, and you've done the community thing, and you're like, yeah, I get it, I get it, yeah, but, but there's others where you just walked in the room today, and the, the thought of community, me speaking the word community, you just start sweating, and you're really uncomfortable, and I get it, I'm so glad you're in the room, I'm so glad everyone's in the room today, it doesn't matter who you are though, God has something new that he wants to do in your life through community, that there are new uh, miracles, new horizons, new victories, new joys for your life, and it's only going to happen through community. I believe that's true. And last week, we talked about this call to gather, and this week, as we look into Romans chapter 12, I want us to shift a little bit and understand that the call to community really is a call to give. Romans chapter 12, there's a lot here. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, 
And he's not writing an email. He's not sending a fax. Some of you remember that, right? This is not an individual message sent to an individual person. He's writing to the church, the church in Rome, the body of believers. And so this message is written to community, to a body of believers. And as we're about to read, starting with verse 9, we're about to read some rich instruction, some rich guidance that Paul gives to the church. And there's a lot here to unpack, but I think most specifically, it impacts our call to community is a call to give. Would you start reading with me now? Uh, Romans 12, starting with verse 9, it says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Man, you can go on. There's a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of really good stuff to dive into. But for a moment, I just want to pause and I want to look at, I mean, look just in these five verses. Paul tells us all kinds of stuff that impact your view on love and on honoring others and zeal and service and hope and joy and patience and prayer and generosity and hospitality. I mean, there's a lot here. But I want to pause and I want to go back for a minute and just look through this lens, this understanding of community and specifically the call that community makes for us to give, to give. So look back for a minute with me on Romans, starting with verse 9. Verse 9, where Paul begins by saying, love must be sincere. At its root, at its core, love, we don't love to get something, right? That's not love. That's all of the people in your life that love you don't love you because you produce for them or, or you give them things or, or they don't love you so that you will do the dishes, okay? That's not love. That's not it. That's some sort of coerced, I'll do this for you so you do. That's not it. The nature of love is we love simply because we love. And in Paul reminding us that love is to be sincere, he's reminding us that in community, we love and it's an act of giving, It's not, I'm going to love you so you can help me and I'll scratch your back if you, that's not love. Love must be sincere. Next, we're charged, we're reminded to be devoted, be devoted. Uh, The Bible, it was not written in English. Some of us know that, some of us realize that, but thousands of years ago when these words were written, the New Testament was written in Greek. In our attempt to understand the Bible, and rather than reading it out loud in Greek every week, we have it in English now, translated. But there are certain words, there are certain times where translating it from Greek to English, it doesn't always do it justice. And this word, be devoted, doesn't really serve the full purpose that the author intended. If you look at the Greek word, and I'm not going to bore you with a lot of Greek here, but the root of this, it's, the Greek word is Philostorgos, and that means nothing to you, and I understand. But the root word of that, the storge, literally is this word love. And in Greek, there's multiple words for love, which makes a lot of sense. Because I can say I love tacos and I love my mom, and I'm not saying the same thing. I think you understand that. But what it's saying here, this root word of devotion is this word love, but it's, it's a love among family, the love of a family. And so literally, this word devoted means that we are devoted to one another like 
family. There's a commitment here that cannot be broken easily. And hey, I know family is messy and I know family is hard, but there's a commitment among family that we're dedicated to. And it goes beyond uh, circumstances and it goes beyond sometimes hard things that we say and do. And that's the kind of commitment that Paul is calling community towards, a devotion to one another like family. That's deep. Finally, he says, honor, honor one another. I've spoken on this before, but this idea that respect is earned, but honor is given. And there are people in our lives, biblically, that we're called to honor. And within community, God calls us to honor one another, even when we don't like someone. Even when they're different than us. Even if we don't always agree with them. Even if our preference would be not him, not her. Yeah, we're called to honor them, biblically. This is... Do you see the act of giving here? (laughs) That this isn't about me. This isn't about, this is honoring because that's what God calls me to do. Finally, skip down to verse 13. There's a lot here. But look at what Paul says, that we give to those in need. That's the call of community, to give. And finally, we practice hospitality. Over this past year as a church, we've been talking about being a church of welcome. What does that mean? A biblical call to welcome others. And here's one thing I know. That when we welcome others, it's about giving, serving, loving. It's not really about me. And so Paul is charging us, is inviting us back to community, but it's a community based on giving. There's a lot of barriers. There's a lot of things that prevent us from pursuing community. In 2019, right, it has never been harder to embrace true biblical community than it is now. There's a lot of reasons for it, right? We are busy we are busy, and I get you, man, I'm there. That we are, like, fill our lives with so much stuff that the thought of pursuing community, making space in our lives for biblical community, we're maxed out, we're tapped out. I can't do that, I understand. Some of you here today, a barrier for, for you in community is you're just, that's not for me. No, 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 no. Community, that's like for extroverted people that love getting together. And when I get in rooms, I just start sweating and I don't know what to say. And I'm just, not for me, man. I got, I'm not built that way. I'm not, I, I get it. Others, you, you might just say, I, I don't want to be vulnerable. And if I, if I start getting to know people, they're going to ask questions and they're going to find out weird things about me. I don't really want them to know. And I, I just kind of, and I get it. I get all those things. But I'm here to tell you, I actually don't think any of those are the biggest barrier that we face to experiencing biblical community. I don't think the biggest barrier is your schedule or your DNA or your personality, introvert, extrovert. I don't think your biggest barrier is lack of vulnerability. I don't think any of that is. In fact, what I would claim according to scripture, the biggest barrier to you and I in experiencing biblical community is here in our mind. It's our mindset It's a mindset. And so today, according to scripture, what I want to share with you today is what I'm going to call the great shift. That sounds really dramatic and it's in bold letters on the screen, but I want you to kind of understand here how important this is and how critical it is. Because while you are busy and while you are, uh, your genetic makeup makes you, you know, shy and afraid of people and not want to be, I, I get all that, but I think the most important barrier to experiencing biblical community starts, starts here, not in our calendar, not in our schedule, but but here in our mind. Consider again, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 exposes a flaw in our thinking, a flaw in our mindset when it comes to living in community. Take this for example, a lot of us, when considering a life group, 
a lot of us think about how it benefits us. Which group meets my needs? Which group includes the people that I'm more comfortable with? Which meets in the most desirable place for me? And, and I understand that kind of thinking. I get it. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with thinking that way, the problem is that is not the priority of Scripture. Because the call to community is a call to give. And we're, we're not just invited, but we're commanded. We're called into community, not for what we will gain, but for what we can give to community. How we will serve, what will be in it for others, how God can use us within community. It's entirely possible that God may call you into community, and not for what you will get out of it, but for what he wants you to give That's a great shift, man. That's a hard mindset for us because we live in a world that preaches me, me, me. What can I get out of it? How can it help me? What benefit? And I get that. And again, there's nothing inherently wrong except when we understand biblical community, the first rule of biblical community is it's not about you. And that's why such incredible things were happening in the book of Acts. That's why the early church was experiencing such incredible blessing and fruit. It's because people came and they gathered in community and they didn't come gathering, but what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? No, they just loved and they just served and they just sacrificed. It's an incredible shift. I know some, I can hear it in the room. Well, Adrian, I, I don't have anything to give. I'm not that fun to be around. I don't make good brownies. I don't, I got nothing. What do you want me to give? Well, you have Jesus and hasn't he blessed you and hasn't he redeemed you and and hasn't he forgiven you and hasn't he shown you peace and joy? And, And so what you're saying to me is, I know that God has done good things in my life, but I'm not willing to let him use me in others' lives. It's a great shift. I believe it's the biggest barrier that keeps us from experiencing true community. Everyone can give time. Everyone can give encouragement. Everyone can give hope and a helping hand, a listening ear. Everyone can give prayer. Do not underestimate what God can do in and through you. Almost always in my life, when I experience God do something, a blessing, a miracle, gives me a word, I am convinced That almost always he has not given me those things just for my benefit. Almost always I'm convinced that God wants me to share whatever I've heard, whatever I've experienced, whatever's happened to me with someone else. He wants me to use it to bless others. When we begin to shift, when we begin to shift our mindset, God begins to shift our priorities. When we begin to shift away from me, 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 what's in it for me? What can I do? How can I make it work? And I understand that's hard, and I understand that's painful, but when we begin to shift that, then God begins to shift our priorities and our values and how we use our time and what we focus on. God even begins to shift our prayers. I have no problem praying like this, but oftentimes in our prayers we pray, God bless me. God, help me. God, show up for me. God, and, and, I lo- and that's, man, that's biblical. We should pray that. But, but you know, sometimes I wonder if we're so busy saying, God, bless me. And instead, what would happen if we would say, God, help me to be a blessing? Instead of, I get it's hard. I get it because some of us, man, we're in a place where day to day, we're desperate for the Lord to show up and we're desperate for his touch. And man, I understand that. But what would happen 
If our prayer shifted, remember the great shift, if our prayer shifted from Lord bless me to Lord make me a blessing. I'll tell you what happens in my life often. And I'm talking about times where I've felt desperate and times where I felt afraid and times where I felt alone. When I allowed the Lord to shift my prayers, I begin to see God use me in other people's lives. When I thought I had nothing to give, I thought I couldn't be used. I thought, and time and time again, you know what God does? As I give, as I serve, as I love others, in turn, without even realizing it, I look and say, wow, God met my needs. When I stopped being so worried about me, 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 and I started opening myself up to how God could use me in the life of others, you know what happens almost every time. I'm helped. Uh, I am loved. Uh, uh, God blesses me as I bless others. It's not a math equation. It's not why I bless you, so I get blessed. That's not it. But almost always, when I give up on it being all about me, and when I allow God to say, okay, you can use me. I don't know what you're going to, I don't know how, I don't know what I got to give, but God, I will allow you to use me and someone else's life. Almost always, I am blessed more than I give. I receive way more than I ever gave, and that's the economy of the kingdom. I love this prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. It's a powerful prayer, and it's a prayer of giving. It's a a call to give. Uh, Listen to this. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. This is the great shift. The great shift. That Lord, help me get beyond myself. Help me not not be so busy filling my schedule with what I need and how it will help me. And and man, I, I understand you have needs. I understand that you need to love yourself and care for yourself. I understand that, but biblically we are called beyond ourselves to give. I love Henry now, and I shared a little bit of his writings last week, but he has uh, some thoughts this week that really helped me as we prepare to close. He says this, that community is the fruit of our capacity to make the interests of others more important than our own. That perhaps today, according to Henry, there's a lot of truth in this, that your and my ability to experience community in our lives has less to do with our calendar, less to do with our temperament, and it has more to do with our ability, our capacity to make the interests of others more important than our own. Because biblically, we're promised, as we learn to give, man, that's when community happens in our lives. Aren't you grateful today? Aren't you grateful that there was a time in your life when you were in need and someone showed up for you and they gave? And it may have been the least convenient thing for them. It may have been the most, that may have been such a a drag that they had to do that. But aren't you, I don't know where you are today and I don't know your needs, but I know there was a moment in your life where you needed someone. And today, maybe all you can see is the moments where no one showed up for you. And man, I'm so sorry for that. But I pray today the Lord will let you see one time 
one moment you were low, you were afraid, you were scared, you were in need, and they showed up for you. Aren't you glad they did? Aren't you glad when they walked in the room that day, when they picked up the phone, when they showed up, they weren't just worried about what's in it for me? Well, if I call them, it's really going to be, if I show up in their life, this is going to be, aren't you glad that they cared enough to show up for you? Isn't God's call for us to do the same? This morning, the band's going to come, and I just want to remind us today, as we prepare to close, that this is all about Jesus. The only reason I have anything to give today is because of Jesus, because he first loved me. Because on the cross, when I was a sinner and I was an enemy of God, he, he made a way, he reconciled so that I could, I could know what it is to be free and, and to have hope. And the only reason I have anything to give today is because of his love poured out in my heart. And so this morning, I want to invite you. I want to call you to community. And I don't want to call you to a community that's all about me and what's in it for me and what am I going to get out of this. I really want to call you into a community where because of the love of Jesus poured out into your heart, you want to give. You want to love. You want to be a blessing. God, I don't, know what, I don't know how I can be a blessing, but I want to. God, I don't know how you can use me, but I want to. I don't know what kind of difference I can make, Lord, but I am willing. That's the kind of community today that I believe the word of God is calling us into. Would you bow your heads this morning? And could I just pray for you? The band's gonna come and they're gonna begin playing and we're just gonna have a quiet moment to reflect, quiet moment to consider what it is that God wants to say to us, what it is that he is speaking to our hearts about. And so in this moment, uh, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, not looking at me, you've had to do that enough. Would you, this morning, would you just for a minute, we've already been praying, but would you just pour out your needs before the Lord? Because some of you this morning, you think I'm saying it's not okay to have needs, and man, I'm not saying that. We serve a God who is close to the brokenhearted. We serve a God who is an ever-present help in times of trouble. And so right now, you don't need to shy away. You, right now, in this moment, you can just let him know, God, here's my needs. Here's my brokenness. Here's my hurt. Here's my pain. Here's my fear. And and right now, he hears you. He hears you. But now in the midst of that prayer, would you allow the love of Jesus to come? Would you allow his presence? Would you allow his forgiveness? Would you allow his peace that passes understanding to come and, and to fill that space, to fill that void, to fill that brokenness, to fill that uncertainty? And would you sense now his love compelling you, inviting you, Let's give. Let's love others. Let's step out from beyond our pain for just a minute. I know it's hard. I know it's scary. But let's step out in the midst of brokenness for just a minute. Let me step beyond that and say, God, help me to be a blessing. God, use me. Even in spite of of the grossness, even in spite of the yuck, even in spite of God, even now, because of the love of Jesus, I sense, I feel your touch. I feel your gentle nudge, your gentle whisper asking me to give, asking me to serve, asking me to step beyond myself when the world around me tells me just keep focusing on me, me, me. I choose today because of the love of Jesus to say, I'm gonna give. Lord, help us today to experience community 
because of the love of Jesus poured out in our hearts, to take a step beyond ourselves, that there's hope in the room today, there's healing in the room today, there's forgiveness in the room today, and there's power in stepping beyond ourselves, being used by you. We love you now, and we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus who died for me, who took my place so that I could experience your love and forgiveness. If you would now, church, would you stand to your feet? Would you stand now as we close and as we sing uh, this song of dedication, this song of commitment that just reminds us it's all about the love of Jesus today. It's all about him inviting us forward, moving us forward to his love, to his embrace. As we worship, as we sing, let's put our focus and our attention back on Jesus this morning. Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at a That's info at a If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 1030 a.m. in English and then at 1145 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every week, Monday nights at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes.